1: Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewellery gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win, order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: It's one win in eight as Ipswich fail to be already relegated crew and the season fizzles out. This is the Blue Monday podcast. Well, here we are, Seb.
1: Enjoy the boxing last night. (laughs) Yeah, can we talk about that for for forty five minutes instead of crew away? I think we'll get more out of it, won't we? <laughs> bit 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 one sided though. A little bit, yeah. It's it's a complete mismatch, isn't it? Christ, the white couldn't get anywhere near him. He's just so big, and his reach is huge, and yeah, an absolute absolute mismatch. Yeah, he's a he's a Goliath, and he's he's done now. He says he says he's retired. I'm not entirely sure that's true, but yeah, it was a, a decent fight. Too expensive, but a decent fight all round, and a, a good way to end the Saturday night.
3: If, Joe, if there's I... anything we can trust, it's when a boxer says he's retired, he definitely isn't <laughs> going to have another fight. Because <laughs> yeah, that's really... never happened before.
0: You see, I I like wrestling and I've watched lots of it in my life. He's a better like wrestling talker than all the blooming wrestlers are, Tyson View. He's brilliant. Um, Joe, I'm a bit of a hypocrite though, aren't I? Because I tell the boys off for talking about golf and I've just talked about boxing. But the the, the season is fizzling out somewhat, isn't it, Joe?
3: It is, yeah. And I think yesterday. I don't know, it had a sort of real sort of end of season, pre-season-y feel about it all, didn't it? It was hard to, I was sort of chatting to my mate that I went to the game with, and I was like, if we score, I don't think there's really going to be many limbs flying around in yeah. this away <laughs> end here. That,
0: that would be hard for even the, um, even the YouTube generation to, another hypocritical comment with my YouTube um, max antics, but um, even the YouTube generation to fake. Um, really important, serious issue now, guys. I've got our issue a public apology. Okay, so you need to let me do this. I've let myself down. I've let the podcast down. I've let the club down. Um, In our our midweek Q&A, Craig recounted a tale about some football banter from the Wigan supporters who um, made a banterous criticism of our fan base. Now, when Craig did that, what he did, Seb, he recounted the number of Wigan fans that were at the game and the number of ipswich fans that were at the game and joe do you know what i did
3: i don't know sorry ben
0: i laughed um and i just want to issue a huge public apology to um wigan i know um i know that their fans have had a really tough season and they've got nothing to celebrate at the moment but that laugh i i'm i'm just really sorry I, i i did it um seb and um Congratulations to uh, Wigan. But we've been very present on the um, on the Wigan timeline, Seb, since Wednesday. I think if the same number of fans that had
1: kicked off at you had attended the game at Pomona <laughs> they'd have, they'd have had a sellout, wouldn't they? They'd have had a sellout. There we go.
3: Like We normally do fancy dress for the last away game of the season, but they had a big fancy <laughs> dress party for the last home game of the season. There's empty seats, it seemed, yesterday for oh, the promotion it. party.
0: Congratulations to Wigan. We've been we didn't praising get promoted. your... Yeah, we've been praising your um, manager um, and uh, lots of... Theory. We, we literally discussed um, Liam Richardson every podcast while Paul Cook was here. But um, look, it's football banter and we were recounting a tale of it and we know it's a long way on a Tuesday night. And again, congratulations on the promotion, Wigan. But yes, my um, I had to mute the thing in the end. My Twitter was going... Bing, 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 bing. Um, how was FAIR's executive travel then, Joe, yesterday? Just take me through the the journey from interviews to crew, podcast stops, food, etc. You, you can tell the season's fizzling out here. Yeah, d- yeah, decent
3: journey, but it was, I don't know, it felt like the whole way there it was either I was in a 50 zone or a 60 zone. And they seemed to like just put 10 miles of 50 miles per hour because there's a car stopped in the hard shoulder six miles ago and i was getting quite frustrated on the way back when i got stopped in a police escort oh i'd go at one mile an hour down the a14 or because there was a car broken down on the road which i managed to nip off at Claydon and come back on at Ipswich and get ahead of the ahead of the sort of convoy but i don't know everything's just overkill on the roads isn't it health and oh. safety gone mad i tell you
0: I've got two excellent stories, Seb. First one is about Claydon. My late grandfather, who lived in Bresingham between Ipswich and Norwich, without fail, every time he drove to Ipswich and was on the A14, came off the slip road at Claydon over the roundabout and back on to the A14 and no one ever told him, <laughs> bless him or realised that he could have just stayed on the A14. Um, Seb, we I used to play a very childish game when I was out on the road doing gigs all the time and I remember doing a journey to crew and the game was that you never, uh, it was called the Fifth Gear Challenge and you never went out of um, Fifth Gear and I do think I drove all the way to crew in in Fifth Gear and managed to negotiate several roundabouts but there we go. You were you were there, um, Seb. How was the sort of um, Joe was talking about it, D Mob and all of that? How. How was the atmosphere yesterday? Big intensity drop
1: in the away end? Yeah, like Joe said, it was a end-of-season, pre-season vibe. Good numbers. There was over 1,200, I think, in the end, so very good numbers, but they'd have been oh, sold.
0: i said don't talk
1: about a well, I'm just it's saying a... if you're a big club, you take big away followings. It's oh, what no. you do, isn't it? So nothing wrong oh, with that whatsoever. No. You know, we're finishing ninth, and we've <laughs> taken 1,200 fans away with us, so there we go. Ninth? A little <laughs> jab. Not, not, yeah, sorry, 10th or 11th, <laughs> whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, the the, the atmosphere was what, what you expect from this kind of game. You know, I guess when we sold all these tickets four weeks ago we were all expecting this to be maybe the game where we cement our fourth or fifth or sixth position in the playoffs <laughs> but it's not worked out that way so as a result it had that end of end of end of school year kind of feel I me and rich referred to it mm-hmm. to on the the pre-match show where you're there but you're kind of like oh yeah okay well it's nice to see some faces and a nice to have a meet up and have a beer but the the 90 minutes on the pitch is is, is kind of a bit of an afterthought isn't
3: it? There, there was a good um good you noise down, sort of show, from, the, from the right hand side wasn't there it was um because I, I was sort of on the halfway line and down towards the goal, that both the goals went in. I think that's where the young, noisy
1: lot went down that end. And yeah, I was I was right down the other end with the old. Yeah, because it was because oh, it was unrestricted
3: seating. Like I said, the atmosphere was decent to be fair, but it was just more mellow. It, it wasn't very intense.
0: Well, speaking of intensity, Crew were already relegated um, a couple of games ago, weren't they? Uh, let's just bung the teams up for those um, for those of you watching on YouTube. You'll be able to. Um, see that um, and um, the lineup here. Uh, who should we go to? Let's go to Seb. Uh, Walton and gold, Donassian, Wolfenden, Burgess, Thompson, and the lesser spotted Kane, Vincent, Young, uh, Backinson, Morsey, Chaplin, Piggott, and Norwood. So, uh, some, some value in this uh, lineup um, in terms of some names that we've asked some questions about, Seb
1: yeah good to see Vincent young come back in i guess when they suggested that, that burns had picked up a knock and he was going to be going to be struggling we all kind of figured okay well hopefully vincent young will get some some time we'll come on to him he did he did okay and good to see him get a solid hour or so in the in this in the team i was a bit disappointed none of the the youngster guys kind of started. Um, I'd have liked in Humphreys maybe a Laurel Mazzoni alongside Morsey in the centre of midfield rather than Backinson. We know what Backinson can do, and being the, the deadest of dead rubbers, I kind of figured that hopefully one of those might get a game to, to show what they're all about. And then, yeah, Norwood and Piggott were the, the front two, but Norwood played left, so it was very much kind of, you know, Chaplin on the right, Norwood left, and, and Piggott sort of the, the focal point. I don't think they they went up front as a pair at all, regardless of, of what that might say. And and yeah, Piggott coming back in he did pick did what he, he did we'll come on to him and discuss him in, in greater detail um but Vincent Young was the was the plus from that lineup I reckon well, what do you think Joe
3: yes yeah, similar to Seb really I'd have I like I like to look at the bench I think that maybe asks and answers some questions about who may or may not be here next year um when you look at someone like Tom Carroll not even on the bench when he's fit and Nick Hayes named on there but ahead of Valav Hladky, is that a sign Hladky's just out out the door? maybe if he's we don't find whether he's injured or not during this week and Saturday he's not on the bench again. I think that sort of tells a story about him but yeah, I I, I say you see the team, oh, Norwood and Piggott up front we'll try something different to up front but from the, like, as Seb said, from the first minute it was Piggott in the middle, Chaplin on the right, Norwood on the left and it I don't know, it just doesn't really work at the moment. I just don't think it's I just don't think we've got the whatever, we don't have the right players for that front free at the moment for what McKenna wants to do. And it it didn't work really yesterday.
0: We're going to get into all of the action in just a second after this message from our lovely sponsors over at favorite chicken.
2: With wings more crisp than a James Norwood finish, ribs meatier than a Sam Morsey tackle, and chicken tastier than Wes Burns, favourite is Britain's Tastiest Chicken. And as a listener of the Blue Monday podcast, you can get 20% off by entering BM20 at the checkout. Order direct from their menu at chicken-ibswich.co.uk. They'll deliver anywhere within a 2.7 mile radius of the store. And if you're not quite as local as the Bond family, you can click and collect. The store is located just off Hadley Road. Favourites Britain's Tastiest Chicken.
0: Uh, thank you to everybody who's uh, supported uh, our partnership with Favorite Chicken and um, ordered using that discount code. Um, pretty dominant then, Seb, in the first half in terms of uh, possession numbers and shot count and whatnot. Uh, do you want to take me through? And um, I'm going to take the lead right at the end of the half.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Dull, let's be honest, it was very boring for 45 plus one minutes or whatever it was. There was some nice play in between the two penalty boxes from both sides, to be fair. Crew knocked it around okay, I thought, in the middle of the park. But then just a real... <clears throat> a real lack of quality once they got within sort of, you know, 20 yards of the goal or so. They had one effort. They, Sean uh, Long, Chris Long got put in and he, he blazed it well, well wide. And I can't really remember. We had a couple of blocked efforts and stuff. Six corners, I think we had in the, in the first. I think I counted six corners. And as usual, very little threat from those. And then as it was petering out to, to half time, a couple of minutes of injury time added on, there was one moment of, of, of decent build-up play that, that resulted in the opening goal, obviously. You want to take us
3: through that one, Joe? Yeah, it's Wolfie on the ball, isn't it? Who ends up finding, w- getting it down the ball. Wolfie, my my mate Wolfie. That's yes, mate. And and, Vincent, <laughs> and it looks like Vincent Young isn't quite going to make it. He gets gets all the way to the byline and does well to pull it back into an area, and it's behind the strike in the box. But Chaplin comes sort of flying in and gets across it, right footed, and he, he sort of it looks like he sort of scuffs it, but he does find the corner, mm. which is puts it out of the keeper's range and. Really good finish, and I think that's what we've missed in recent games, sort of someone late coming into the box. It seems we've had everyone in the box already, and they've all made the same run, where this time the ball was behind one. Chaplin went forward, got their lovely finish. You can tell the goal really meant a lot to him as well, the way he celebrated down in front of the away fans, down in that corner as well. So, good goal, and I think we're probably just about good enough value for the lead at half-time. I don't think we were definite for it, but we were good. we were just about good enough for it.
0: It's one of those girls, I think, said that looks better than it is. I think Vincent Young did well to actually cut it back quite so deeply. And like Joe says, it's it's right in the corner, nice and nice and early. Um, Chaplin's, Chaplin's finished the season all right, hasn't he, said?
1: I think he's done okay, yeah. Is that eleven goals now? Ten in the league and, and one in the really? cup, I think. So yeah, it's
3: nine is, in the league and two in the cups. Wow. Is it
1: okay, yeah. So eleven goals for the season, and yeah, I think he's done okay. It was a uh, uh, like Joe said, it looked like he scuffed it. I thought it was expertly placed at the at the time, given my viewpoint. But when you watch the replay, it looks like it's slightly scuffed, but he's put it in the place the keeper the keeper can't get to. Really happy to see Vincent Young involved. You know, he gets down gets down the line strongly and he puts lovely weight on the ball and it's a lovely late arrival in the box. That's what we've not seen enough this season is you know, the the number tens and the and the midfield is breaking late into the box to get on the end of things, and like Joe said, you, you couldn't say we were fully dominant and fully deserved the victory, but we'd done just about enough to to warrant going in going in ahead of the break.
0: Yeah, I like those numbers. Look, twenty three starts for Chaplin, nine goals, um, two assists, so eleven goal contributions, three big chances created as well. Um, what's what's the disconnect between those decent numbers then, Seb, and him starting? more
1: games across the two managers. I guess we just—I guess he struggled to find his best position at times. You know, he's kind of been played out wide every now and again. I think he's—he's he's come out in the week, hasn't he? And he said he—he's normally a nine or a, a nine and a half. He's used to paying up front for Barnsley. He's—I don't think we've ever seen that here at all. He's kind of always been in that slightly more withdrawn role. But—but but I was quite surprised there was some Twitter chat recently saying he might be one that they look to to move on in the summer and stuff. But I think he's a great little player. I like the energy he brings. He's always positive. He's always buzzing around. And you know that if he gets within. 20 yards of goal he's going to try and get it onto his left foot and and have a pop so I think he's had a, a decent season I think he's deserved to start more games he never really got that run did he He had a little run under Cook where he played well against the likes of was it Portsmouth and Wickham and stuff then he would get injured he had a back problem and he'd miss a few games here and there and then come back in and get a few games but I think he's he's done he's done well he's must be joint second got top goal scorer with with Burns behind Bonn or, or third maybe in. <clears throat> Considering the number of starts he had, you just said it there. Twenty, twenty-three odd starts. Those are those are pretty decent numbers, I'd say. Do you agree with that, Joe? Yeah,
3: yeah, I agree. Agree with most of that. I think he's he's a player that's always looking to make something happen. Is he in the final third? And maybe sometimes when you're trying to play a little bit possession heavy, sometimes he can be a little bit loose on the ball, and sometimes he tries too hard to make things happen. But I'd um, it, it seems like McKenna's sort of looked to play different players at home compared to away from home, and it seems Chaplin tends to play. Away from home, and Aluco plays the home games. It's sort of mixed that way. But I'd, I'd be quite happy to see Cel- Selena and Chaplin as the two tens or the two wide forwards behind a striker, because I think I think they're the two players that make the most things happen. And when you compare, and like I say, I think luco has been good this season. But but when you look at the numbers of Chaplin, you look at the numbers of Selena, and then you look at the numbers of Aluko. Well, Aluko has got what a couple of goals, three goals maybe, and an assist where. Both sort of Selena and Chaplin make a lot more happen in the final third. It's it's not just about numbers; it's about play as well. But I think sometimes you do just need to get more goal scorers and goal creators on the pitch, especially when we've been as sort of shot shy and creation and created as little as we have done in recent weeks.
0: It's difficult this balance, Seb, isn't it? Because when. Um... And I have Selena as I can't think of a better word, so I'm going to say luxury players. I have Selena as far more of a luxury player than than Chaplin is. But I'm interested when when Joe's sort of talking about the numbers and getting those two in the team about whether that's possible in terms of you know in terms of balance and d- would you have to sacrifice a little bit? You know, can you get your wing backs that far forward? Can you have a central midfielder? You know bombing on it in in that system with the, with those two players did you see what i'm saying seb in terms yeah. of um
1: I think as long as you've got a disciplined body like Backinson behind, who you know will simply sit there and do the the hard work. I guess Evans as well, before back before he got injured, does the same kind of role. Then you've got that natural security, haven't you? Paul Cook always talked about his his box of four players. Need the two central midfielders and the centre backs would be his defensive cover for the game. Now, obviously, we've changed since then, and we have the three bodies at the back, uh, and we have the two bodies in midfield, and Mawsey now starts to push up. So, I think as long as you've got that 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 one central midfielder who is happy to sit around the halfway line and look to recycle the ball and break play up. I think you can you can make it work and still have your fullbacks bombing on and still potentially have one of the, the centre-backs, i.e. Dynassian, right up there as well, alongside Burns, looking to make things happen. And you've still got that kind of solidity at the, at the, at the back. Joe?
3: Yeah. And I think it's um, probably the most the sort of player the fans would most recognise playing that role here would be someone like a Cole Skuse who played that role for years. And his first instinct was to ensure that we didn't concede a goal. And sometimes you don't want a midfielder who just does that. And maybe we had the balance wrong at some times when Mick McCarthy was here with the full-backs. But when you've got full-backs at on, you, you need someone. And it's what Paul Cook needed, somebody who their thought and their thought process is effectively, if we lose the ball on this pass, where do I need to be to make sure that we don't concede a goal? And, and just track the game from that side and read the game and run the game. And I think Backinson does that relatively well. He has a few slip-ups, I think, yesterday... I don't know. Was he off the pitch yesterday when they scored? But it's a it's a goal when it's sort of a long ball, a long ball forward, and their midfielders are getting to the ball ahead of our midfielders defensively. No, he played the
0: whole. He played the whole ninety. Yeah. So,
3: and you don't sort of see him on the on the highlight there, do you? When when they scored, it's just I don't know. You just need somebody who is their only job is to stop the other team from scoring because Nashian bombs on at right back the, the wing-backs are almost like wide forwards almost at times, are If you they? look at the starting position from and, the race and starts, class, yeah. I remember, that... I remember reading something from... must have been Michael Cox on The Athletic and basically says that the big teams now play effectively a line of five up front, whether that's the wing-back, the three forwards and one of the midfielders pushes on and, and it flips around and does that. But they basically sort of play either 2-3-5 or 3-2-5 when they have the ball and that, that's what we look to do. But it does mean that the three and the two have to be... Absolutely nailed on, and can't let up or slip or make a mistake. Speaking of letting up, then
0: Seb, let's talk about this uh, second half. I mean, Joe's already mentioned the goal, which is going to come late in the game. But um, can you can you sort of take us take us up to there? Um, any any threat of you know conceding up to then, and or any uh, possibility of making it two?
1: Yeah, they had a couple of chances and we had one for Norwood. So I think the, the, the first one was the, the Mandron header. So the ball comes in from their, from their left-hand side and Mandron gets across and and it's a really good... He, he puts it almost straight at, at Walton, but Walton gets down well and pushes it away. And then he hooks the the rebound over the bar when a simple, you know, a, a square ball or a ball back behind. And it's a simple tap in for them. And they, they kind of started to threaten a bit. We kind of seem to lose fitness and energy I think in the second half especially in the central midfield positions I don't know if they were just knackered uh, they, they said it. the conditions weren't great it looked a little bit windy and stuff and it some was of the really windy
3: were... We, we were playing yeah. with the wind in the first half and against the wind in the second and it really was strong
1: and some of the goal kicks were going up and starting to come back down again. And we were just kind of inviting a little bit of, little bit of pressure. We made a change, didn't we, at 60-odd minutes when Vincent Young went off. And because there was no you know, Wes Burns and no one else who can kind of fit it in a more natural position, we brought El Mazzuni onto that right wing-back role. And I kind of thought we were going to go to a 4-3-3 when that happened. I thought we might see a bit of a shift around, but we didn't. El Mazzuni stayed on the, the wide right role, and he, he, he did okay. Uh, Norwood had a chance where he was played through. I think Chaplin slips him in, and it's a decent save with the keeper his legs and if that goes in it's game over you know we we quieten them down and 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 that's that's the point so we we head back to Suffolk with a uh, an okay end of season performance and three points in the bag but then obviously we have the uh is it 85th 84th minute and uh I'll be honest I didn't really see the goal that well because of where I was and my view in the ground so Joe's probably better to talk through that one
0: it's uh simultaneously very bad and very good the goal isn't it it's a really good finish Joe but it's a bit bouncy about. And one of those goal kicks um Seb was talking about that didn't clear halfway that got caught up in the wind.
3: Yeah, it's, it's just a ball into the striker. Mandron sort of has managed to get behind Burgess in the in the box. And I thought Mandron was good all game. He, he gave the defenders problems all game. And like I say, when Seb mentioned he definitely should have scored that one. But he gets in behind Burgess. Burgess gets back to recover, wins the ball. It drops to their midfielder. Wolfie gets across, puts a big <laughs> block in on that. But then the ball falls to Lowry, who's sharpest to react. And he... So it's a really, it's a really good finish, but it sits up so nice. So very Matt, and... very
0: Matt Holland, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it's just one. It's like, like obviously, it's a really good finish, and not not taking anything away. But the way the ball's set up, it's like not that you can't miss, but it looked it looked so inviting to hit, and and it and he struck it brilliantly, and the keeper had no chance, and it was a really good finish. But it looked so easy to score. That's one of the ones you dream about running onto those ones, and he just gets there ahead of our midfielders and. So I think when, this, I don't know, when the strike is getting in behind us, we shouldn't, be alla- we shouldn't be allowing midfielders to get the run on us for things like that. That's got to be us getting back to pick up those second balls. And it's similar to the goal at Shrewsbury in recent weeks where Thompson wins the header, but it drops down and it's their midfielders getting there ahead of our midfielders. So maybe that's something that we need to be working on. And I'm sure McKenna, that's probably one of the things he spoke about after the game.
0: Anything else on that, Seb?
1: No. Uh, like Joe said, it was so inviting to be hit. You could almost see it in slow motion and see the guy running on and thought, oh, we're in trouble here. And straight away, you know, the, the crowd go wild and they're up for it. And it had been coming because the game had kind of petered out and you just got this feeling, given what we've done in recent weeks against the likes of Oxford and, and all the late goals, Shrewsbury, all the late goals we've conceded, you kind of thought they're going to get one chance here and the chances are they're going to take it because... The whole thing was was fizzing out quite badly, I thought, in the second half. When you said the crowd go wild, my brain went,
0: crowd go wild, tell me what you can do. re wine. So were we nineties there or or not? About, 2000. Two, about 2000, yeah. yeah. Two
3: thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, no, I played think in, in, in Sound
1: Academy it? in Ipswich and stuff. Well, when, <laughs> when I was Dagan. when
3: I was at uni, just to change the subject totally, <laughs> mate, cause... go
0: for it, season.
3: <laughs> 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 On Wednesday night at Icon Diva in Southampton, and and Thursday nights in Academy, and, Icon Diva. Yeah, it's like the liquid down there. <laughs> Icon Diva, Time Envy, Liquid, Cartoon. Thursday nights in Academy, Artful, Artful Dead, Dodger used to do a set every week and just basically play. It's all about the stragglers all night. Yeah, Every now from and
0: again, you, Southampton you, you, that lot aren't they?
3: Yeah, Craig David was or is, and and
0: he's really good mates with James Beattie apparently, isn't
3: he? I, I, I don't know about that, but he used to yeah. work in my local McDonald's down there. Not when I was um, at uni there, but and I didn't Craig actually like most them um, <laughs> most them um, local one. Not that I went there like a local pub.
0: Unbelievable! Uh, some Craig David chat here for you as we um, see out the end of the season on the Blue Monday podcast. It's um, all moving too fast. Yeah, very nice, very nice, um, very nice indeed. I'm walking away from this conversation now and looking. Thankfully, there's only there's only seven days to go, thankfully. Yeah, there we go. Uh, are we are we, t- we ticked them all off. Loads of more. Oh, oh, is that Okay, we'll we, we'll move on. Um, and yeah, is that the rise and
3: so- fall of Ipswich Town. Oh, my goodness me. Um,
0: let's let's have a look. Um, a real horrible fizzle um, now. And um, if you watch it on YouTube, you ever see those results? But look. Draw against Pompey, draw against Oxford with that killer late goal. Really good win against Plymouth. So at that point, we don't think things are fizzling out. But in context, we now know that the wins are dropping off. Home defeat against Cambridge, draw against Shrewsbury, which has echoes of this one as well. Defeat against Rotherham, draw against Wigan, uh, draw against Crewe. Um, Look, obviously... We try and be as balanced as we can here, Seb, and we try not to get too high when the results were good um, and everything was trending up in the right direction. We were very cognizant of things probably being too far away at that point as well but um it is a bit it is a bit disappointing this past um eight games to only pick up one win isn't it um it is
1: yeah massively so especially with the season ticket drive as well you know i kind of thought it's a chance here for them to really look to put in some good performances and finish the season strongly and, and potentially get a few a few extra thousand on the on the season ticket numbers i guess you know the oxford game we keep coming back to it was the one that really killed us albeit we followed it up with a a good performance and a good win against plymouth and then That Cambridge game was such a a shock, I think. you know, No one expected us to lose that game. We were all expecting a a relatively comfortable win to take it into the the Easter break. And that absolutely killed us. And since then, it's been very hard for both fans and players, I guess, to kind of motivate themselves when ultimately it means nothing. And hopefully on Saturday against Charlton, we will see a decent performance and a decent win to send us off into the summer with a a bit of optimism. Do you think, Joe, it's just that change
0: of circumstance and going from... Chase, Chase, Chase can do it. Can we get there? We're on good form to, like Seb says, the, the gut punch of the, the Oxford goal in the Cambridge game. Do you think then it's just a matter of psychology and um, Kieran McKenna being able to, unable to get that sort of intensity back on? Would you think there's something more systemic on the pitch?
3: I think it's just the intensity. I think um, obviously the Oxford, the late goal, there was such a gut punch, wasn't it? And I think the fans felt that as much. And mm. I think after that game... I sort we looked at the stats and there was a three percent chance of getting into the playoffs at that point if we were to after that game we then we then put in a brilliant performance against Plymouth really seemed to be back and then we looked at the stats after that game and because everyone else won, our chance of getting in the playoffs went from three percent to one percent. And it's like <laughs> and it's, I, th- I think um maybe the I don't know, you don't know what the club are looking at there, but you sort of like I say you have that late goal, you then you put in a great performance and then you look at the tables and it's like you it's still next to impossible to get there, and maybe that just sucked the life out of things a bit. And then you let your performance levels down two or three percent, and and then it sort of goes from there. And the Cambridge the Cambridge result was really disappointing. But since then, when we thought the season was over after Oxford, I think it was def- we knew it was definitely over after Cambridge. It was sort of we were looking for snookers at that point, and we just didn't. I don't know. You, it doesn't take a lot to to not be able to get over the line, does it? You, you don't need you don't need to lower your performance levels a huge amount. You don't need to...
0: Oh, God, this time of the season, Joe, yeah. just not winning is, is yeah, it on, and, one, on one given weekend, isn't
3: it? And so McKenna's come in and I think we've sort of been looking at the stats on the, on the group chat this morning on the leveller and sort of the position he was in. I think to get to the playoffs from where he was, when he was appointed, he needed to get something like 54 points over 23 games. Obviously, we didn't know it was going to be that high, no. but... It's he, he got us back in as well as close to contention as he, as he could get us, but there, there was no there was no catching now. So we've hopefully he's used these games to learn about the side. I'm sure he has. Maybe you have to like I say you scrape the barrel looking for positives. Maybe a positive is that we haven't turned up in these dead rubbers so much so that players aren't able to sort of pull the wool over McKenna's eyes that they are good enough, or ready enough, or wanting it enough that they haven't been able to do it now. Uh, so I remember one of the things Roy Keane said when when he came in is that we won the last two games of the season, and it totally coloured his view on what we needed to do in the summer. And then he really regretted it because he said the squad wasn't good enough; we're just being carried by Gio effectively, and then he he let that influence him too much in the summer's decision. Well, McKenna doesn't have that now. Like we're not going to see a demolition man, but I think he knows exactly what he wants and what he needs. And also, we have had George Edmondson injured. That's a, been a big loss. Um Lee Evans has been out. Obviously, Wes Burns was out yesterday. There's, there's there's players out that were missed. Caden Jackson, who became a sort of very important part of the team. And I don't know, you, you take too many players out of a team, and it does go backwards, doesn't it? It does.
0: Um So I was following this on my stream yesterday with much... Um, enjoyment this ludicrous league one so let's just have a little look at where we are and um so we're going to basically up now when you uh sort of factor in goal difference so let me do my maths quickly I think it needs like a seven or eight goal swing and uh Wigan with two games you know with two games to play and MK with only uh one to play basically so um I don't I don't see any, I mean, let's be fair, although actually when you factor in the games, Rotherham's game in hand is at Sunderland away and on the last day of the season, I think MK have got Plymouth as well. So it's going to be a real, real um, fun last day, we think, between Rotherham and MK. I, I think, Seb, I've just got Rotherham edge
1: in second place. Like, yeah, probably. But Sunderland are on a hell of a run of form. And that, that's going to be a tough game for them to go to go to the Stadium of Light and try and get something. I mean, they're the form team heading into the playoffs. But yeah, I think Wigan and Rotherham, I mean, they've been up there for most of the season. I think Rotherham will do just about enough to get across the line. And then it's a, a shootout for who's going to finish in what positions in the playoff and who's going to play who. And how many so, points
3: is six going to have? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. It. We got, isn't it?
1: We've Absolutely got a question crazy. on
0: that. Absolutely ridiculous. We was we were saying three months ago that 80 point number, kind of speculatively. And we now know, looking at Sheffield Wednesday and their game in hand, that um it, it could even be 82, eighty eighty-two, eighty three, eighty four, just just an insane outlier of a season. One that we'll probably look back on. I, I do my championship stuff. And there's this mental season 2012-2013 where there are no gaps in the table at all and it's just completely squidged. and Hull got promoted with 79 points in second place. It's going to be one of those where you look back. Uh, Joe, just give me your read on the playoffs now because Oxford cannot make it. So um, it's Sheffield Wednesday upwards. Wednesday have got a game in hand and I believe it's against Fleetwood as well. So I would not be surprised if by the time we go into final day, Wickham are not in the top six with 80 points. No, just... no, I've, I've, I
3: think that'll be the case. I, I can't see Sheffield Wednesday. They lost 1-0 to Wickham yesterday, didn't they? Had they won that, Wickham would be out of it effectively. So by, by Wickham winning yesterday, they've kept themselves in the race. But I, I think it's going to be Sheffield Wednesday winning their midweek game in hand. And Wigan are going to be seventh with 80 points going into the final day of the season. And <laughs> I say, we'll see. I'm, I, I don't know. I, 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 haven't, I haven't actually looked at the fixtures who Plymouth have got. Plymouth forgot. got, Plymouth got
0: MK on the last Plymouth day. They can literally MK. drop out on the yeah, having been there all season. Yeah,
3: I, 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 that's what I think will happen. I think that Plymouth will end up in seventh.
0: That would be so unlucky. I know. Yeah. Look, we're going to be saying it about someone. They're going to be so unlucky. Um, just quickly, uh, Seb, it does. I know we're not going to be involved, but assume Rotherham finish second. You've got MK, who you know, kind of play nice possession with the three at the back and the good front three. You've got Sunderland, who seem to be. Um, by size, just bashing their way through with force of will at the moment and in great form. You've got Plymouth, like we said. Uh, Wickham, for some tactical diversity, always make things interesting. Sheffield Wednesday, um, perhaps maybe relying on certain individuals, but still a still a big threat. Where, where are you on the playoffs then?
1: Well, the the momentum and the form, I guess, is with Sunderland. But as we know, if there's a club that's going to mess it up more than Ipswich, it's going to be Sunderland. So I think if Sheffield Wednesday get in there, uh, which I think they will, I think they'll win uh, midweek and get in there and finish strongly. I think, I think they'll be real, real favourites to go and do it. And, and MK as well, I can see it being that kind of a, a final if the permutations work and, and one of those two will be going up.
0: If that's the case, Joe, is it very much going to be a case of um, sort of strategy versus star power in terms of MK and Plymouth are probably better coached, but maybe Sunderland and Wednesday. This is assuming Wickham don't get in on Wednesday. Yeah, I, th- I think that
3: might underplay the job Darren Moore's done at Sheffield Wednesday a little bit. When you, when you look at their form over the last 20 games or so, I think they've probably been the best side in the league for maybe MK aside. I think they've probably been the best side in the league since since Christmas, really. and They've, they've looked really good. They've just drop points as it gets to the line. As, as is always the case, everyone seems to race up to it and then stumble over it, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I, think they're, I think they're in that position. But like well, from, the, a, from, a, from a
1: selfish point of view, we want Wednesday to go up, don't we? Let's be honest, because if MK Dons don't make it, then the, the chances are they're going to uh, have to lose Scott Twine and they're going to have to lose, you know, going to get nicked as well. And, and, and from a selfish point of view, we don't want them here next year, given the clubs that are going to stay down and the ones that are going to come down and join us.
0: Well it's gonna sort of bring that up because we now know as well. I mean, Derby had already gone. Over the weekend, Barnsley have gone and uh Peterborough went yesterday. Am I right? Was it just Forest Green that went up yesterday? Yeah, Forest Green
1: are up and Exeter will do it, won't they? So So they it's lose.
0: starting to it's starting to I mean look, the championship ones were were not a not a surprise, were they? We we're expecting that to be Sort of confirmed um, as and when, but um, Forest Green's an interesting a- addition as well. But um, y- you mentioned the the Sheffield Wednesday point. Seb. I've I've kind of given up with with that type of prognostication because I just never know. It, you know, you could throw Plymouth in there this season where look, there's an eighty point team as well
1: yeah potentially and 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 I guess the ones coming down Peterborough are well schooled at this level you know they'll be there or thereabouts well nobody knows with Derby with regards to the takeover and Rooney no. and the squad so they're impossible to call uh, Barnsley you'll know better than us if I they think they'll be alright yeah, so, yeah and then you're still going to have Portsmouth staying down you know Charlton probably won't be as bad as last season we're going to try and be in the mix and Three of those four clubs we've just discussed in the playoffs are all going to be here as well. So there's going to be a hell of a scrap next year to get out of this. It's not going to get any easier, let's be honest.
0: Well, and I know we've got a question coming up on this, so I'll keep my powder dry a little bit. But this idea of this split of... You, you always look for the gaps in a league table. I know I mentioned that championship season. That's that's a complete outlier where there are no gaps, You know where you're one point or tied or one point all the way up. But this split down the middle and... Lots of teams able to... and In fact, let me just bring that table back up because we should talk about Fleetwood and uh, Wimbledon because there was that massive head-to-head yesterday. So, Gillingham lost at Pompey uh, to drop into that. Well, I thought Gillingham and uh, Harris had kind of got out of it. Fleetwood, I know they, they're not winning, but they just equalised late on against Wimbledon. And again, that game in hand is probably not pertinent because it is against Sheffield Wednesday for um, Fleetwood. Um Doncaster are basically cooked, even though mathematically um, when you look at the goal difference there's there's be a ten goal swing I think yeah there's not going to be a ten goal swing um in the in the sort of last unless Wednesday really really um wins sort of six seven nil against um against Fleetwood and we get some strangeness like like that, but you're kind of you're kind of looking and I I go on a point per game in the championship. Obviously there's four relegated. So it's more normally like 50 points uh, or close high 40s um to survive in in League 1. But if you look, you can see 29 37 37 40 40. You can see um Joe where the top teams. There's whipping boys down the bottom there with 30 defeats and 28 defeats, isn't there?
3: Yeah, and one of the one of the things that concerns me on that side of it is that We've we've only got sixty-seven points this year, and last year we got sixty-nine points. And even though there's all these extra whipping boys in the league, we're gonna we're almost gonna end up in a worse position we did last season, which is worrying really after all the investment we've had. But it does it does feel like a one-off this year. Like when you look at twenty twenty plus years of EFL tables, you might find one year out of seven to one league table out of 75 where it's going to take 80 points to get in the playoffs i I don't think it's going to be a new normal i think it's just going to be a one-off and if I say if if we get 75 points next year i'm sure we'll be in the playoffs
0: yeah and i always i always kind of argue with people i argue with people but you know argue the point that um league table i think we forget sometimes and i know i'm guilty of it as well that It is just a race, and a league table is an organism where one one part of it is in direct reaction to another. If you have a drab mid table at the end of season, then it'll increase the output of yeah. It's um, it's almost like in the the,
3: when when you watch the Olympics, like the ten thousand meters, isn't it? Where. Someone Mo Farah might win the race but he might be 20 seconds off the world record or 30 seconds off the world record where sometimes there'll be a race on like a Diamond League and you've got three people who finish within five seconds of the world record but they don't win because it, it's not about your time. It's about winning no. the race effectively. Exactly. It's not about how many points you get. It's about making sure you get enough points to get where you want to get to. And and you in
0: relation to your opponents and your rivals, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and when, when you need more points you get them like the teams at the bottom. If, if for example, Gillingham and 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 Morecambe had five more points Fleetwood probably wouldn't be picking up these one points here and there because they'd be needing to try and win the game and they'd be ending up losing the games and there'd be a bigger gap there so it's, it's like I say you you do what you need to do to try and get where you need to get to without sounding sort of simplistic on it no if you, no, need, if totally you need to right. win games you try and win the games where if a point will do you're, you're happy to set up for a point
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. at participating restaurant's 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. If you need to rapidly change direction like amari hutchinson there's a 30-day money-back guarantee to get the best discount off your nordvpn plan go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or youtube subscription to be taken straight there supporting us here at blue monday in the process
0: um let's see some questions uh seb um uh, mullet uh would you keep Kane vincent young as an alternate to burns who can also play left wing back or see how Elmiz works out there. Um I don't, it, does, it doesn't sound like you were too high on Elmiz. At, um sorry. I'm, I'm mocking Joe for doing nicknames. Elmizuni um at right wing back.
3: Just just to add another one into the mix on that as well, so you can answer this as well. Remember, McKenna said that Edwards was being trained in that position behind Wes Burns as well. And he did mention, yes, about Kane Vince Young playing harder than he's ever played. So there's some supplementary info for you. Supplementary info. That's
1: tremendous.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So,
1: uh, as I was going to mention with Edwards, he was the the deputy being trained up round about whenever it was January, February time that he he got injured. So I'm not entirely sure where Vincent Young will fit in. I think Vincent Young just needs to kind of go and play football. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's one that does move on. El Mazzuni, I think yesterday was just a, uh, you know, we had to get somebody on in that position because Vincent Young was done on the hour mark. And I much prefer El Mazzuni in the the centre of midfield. But again, he might be one that looks to move on as well because if what we're hearing regarding transfer targets and lists and planning meetings in the US are all accurate, then we're going to be going for some seriously high quality players for this level. And I think a couple of these guys might fall by the wayside. If, If Vincent Young is happy to stay and play, 10, 15 games a season, then he's a very, very able deputy. Uh, we've never really seen him in that right wing-back role, have we? When we signed him, he was a right-back. And although he would push forward and get, get in decent positions, he never kind of played that advanced in his time here. If, if he's happy to stay and play, no issues keeping him. But I think he'll he'll be one of those, like Clagkey that will want to go and play some football. So I can see him moving on in the summer.
3: Yeah, when, when Mazzoni came over first, from France as a first-year scholar. He played a lot of his football at right-back for the under eighteen. so it's not a, it? a role that's totally unfamiliar to him. Played right-back, played centre-back a bit and sort of then found his home in sort of central midfield and then ended up pushing on as more of a sort of attacker midfielder. So I, I, I wonder whether... I know sort of if you read anything from Pep Guardiola, he talks about how he he likes to have a squad of about... Sort of 20 players, but these players have to be versatile and have to be able to cover two or three roles and whether he seals El Mazzuni as someone that can cover that role. Because while we talk about it as a right wing back role, it really isn't, is it? It's, it's a right is a widely field role. How often did Vincent Young come in from that flank and almost end up in the left wing spot because he was carrying the ball in field and play for that. You, you, you're almost it's almost like a wide playmaker the way that both El Mazzuni and Vincent Young played it yesterday. And I I just don't think that I don't think we need a fullback there, which is why I don't think Vincent Young will will stay there because it, it's not a fullback role. It's it's a like I say, it's a wide midfielder role, if anything, isn't it? And you've got well, uh, you got Jay, one that option of birds you can run.
0: That completely parlays into the conversation we had the other day about more more and more often than not. Now we are seeing wingers play that role, and it's it's definitely the role as sort of changed in in recent seasons
1: um and I guess sorry, uh, just just to throw in quickly we, had, we don't actually know what uh, McKenna wants to play tactical he might completely change it in pre-season no, he's, he's taken McGrill's uh, formation and continued it but he might want to play to a you know a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 or something we, yeah. we just don't know at this point
3: it's very in vogue isn't it? I think in the championship I think like 20 of the 24 teams are playing free at the back at the moment so it's, it's yes. fashionable
1: at the moment isn't it yeah and when yeah.
3: you when you look at how our squad sets up it, we've like Dunashian as that hybrid right back, right centre back, we've got players that are just perfect for the for the um, shape, haven't we?
0: Interestingly, the top two in the championship in the main player back four, but they also have
3: um to the bottom
0: two. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, no, not bournemouth Blackpool with their four-four <laughs> F in two, which Dave would Dave would love. Um, uh, Morris has asked a lot of questions. I think we've already answered all of them, about teams coming in and out. So, thank you for the question and we'll we'll move on. Uh, FPL Tractor Joe, what did we, uh, KM, learn from today, yesterday? Anything?
3: I think maybe it's Joe Piggott sort of failing another audition, isn't it? That he's he's just not... um, I don't know, he seems to do his best work away from goal, doesn't he? And It didn't really work from there. I think we know that James Norwood isn't really capable of playing one of those wide forward roles. And if you want to play, he's got to be a centre forward. So we'll see. But I I, I don't know. Sort of I'm denied over Norwood. And I know there's sort of the wage constraints in place with him. And maybe we aren't going to be in a position to sign him. But he is just a striker that gets gets chances and scores goals. And even even yesterday, it's that the ball through that he sort of comes from nowhere, just nips in head of the keeper and the keeper saves it. Chaplin plays him in. He's But which other strikers are on the end of good chance? And I think you could say that for almost all three years in League One. We've struggled to create chances unless James Norwood on, is on the pitch. Is he the, is he the key? Because he's a bit of a shot monster, isn't he? When you look at shots per 90, XG per 90. Everything per 90, he sits up in the top of the division. You were a shot done.
0: monster on Wednesday nights in Southampton, weren't you, Joe? Oh, yeah.
3: Back in the day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> um, but, yeah, but I, I just, I, I can see all the arguments for releasing James Norwood, but then just part of me thinks he is just someone that will score go- If we play him, he'll score goals, but and he's, he's been fit all year, really, hasn't he? I know he's fell out of favour, but I don't know, Just something just talks me into wanting it, wanting to keep him here, which I know is probably not going to happen and is probably not the right thing, but we'll see.
0: I feel you. I feel you. Um, please do get involved over on Leveller. We've got the group chat going there. There's a two-week free trial. If you give any of us a shout on uh, Twitter or um, go to the website, you can find out about Leveller. Loads of good stuff going on there. Um, Seth, the conversation about the 80-point total had come from Martin, over on Levler one wrinkle he adds is that despite the ridiculously high tie for the playoffs it's still going to be two points per game for top two so you can just see there's the the gap is always elsewhere isn't it and that standard if um and can we be so bold I'm sure fans of every other team will criticize us for saying it but if the expectation is to aim for two points per game then 80 points and missing out the playoffs isn't irrelevant if you score 90 isn't it
1: yeah, absolutely. Aiming for the two points per game will get you exactly where you want to be at the end of the season. And as we said earlier, it's just a bit of a freak year, isn't it? It's a freak season. I'm sure next year it'll return to the the mean and go back down to 74, 75 points or so for sixth place and, and it'll revert back to normal. If you can aim for two points per game, you're going to be in the top two and I guess that's what they'll be looking to go for in the summer when they all come back. It's just a, a freakish year. We can add it to the list of unfortunate timings for Ipswich Town Football Club. Can't we like when ITV Digital went under and all the rest of them. We'll, <laughs> we'll add in 2021-2022 playoff numbers as a... Uh, as but then export.
3: we've only got 67 points, so it's not that
1: unfortunate for us. Well, it's just we're, we're so it? crap against the bottom sides, aren't we? You know, we fix that problem and pick up points against the sides we should be steamrolling, like, dare I say, we did under Lambert pretty efficiently. Then we'd be right back in the mix. That's what they're going to have to look at and try and and try and improve upon.
3: Yeah, I, I think that um, too often over the last couple of years, the expectations, it's just starting the season, like, oh, we want to win the league. Then it's like, oh, we're looking for the automatic Promotions, oh, where we're we're in the playoffs, oh, we're chasing a playoff spot. That the the expectations have just gradually dropped back all season. It's like no, that, that can't happen. The, the minimum expectation for this football club is to be in the playoffs next season. And you don't and you can't aim for the playoffs. You've got to aim for the top two, and the playoffs is your fullback. We can't be like we've spent three years in in mid-table effectively in this league now. We have our points per game, if you look at it across the three seasons. It's basically the same across all three seasons. Whatever we've done, we haven't got, we haven't got away from finishing on about sixty between sixty five and seventy points, and we're not going to this year. That, that's that's where we are, and and that's ten that's ten points short minimum of where we need to be. In reality, it's fifteen points short of where we should we should be able to be. So,
0: and that and Joe, that tells us everything about the the three teams. When when you talk about a team that's ten points short or fifteen points short, you know that that team was that team was not not fit for you know fit for a promotion.
3: No and, and and there's one manager out of the three that we've had who's got a points per game which would have us in that sort of in the in the range where we need to be as a minimum and f- fortunately for us that manager is the man who's in the dugout at the moment and not the two previous incumbents of the role who who couldn't who couldn't do enough here and weren't able to get us where we needed to be. So we've we've hopefully that McKenna and this is a man who came in and picked up a squad that wasn't his has not been able to add to it as yet, has not been able to find the right balance with, between the sort of forward players. And so, like I say, there's, there's a lot of positive signs in it. Like I say, we, we've got the man who's proven he can do it with what he's picked up and he's, he's going to add to it. So, fingers crossed he stays the right man. But no, we, we, we've we got to come out of the traps flying next year and we should do. We've got the spine of the team to start the season. We we know on the first day of the season that all, be, all being fit, we're going to have... Christian Walton in the team, we're gonna have Genoi Danashin, Luke Wolfenden, George Edmondson, Sam Morsey are gonna be in the team and that is the spine of your team, isn't it? That that sort of central five of your team and we and we know we've got Wes Burns will play if he's fit, he's been brilliant at this level. So there's there's no excuses, is there? And we're gonna start pre season with the team that is gonna start the season and we're gonna we're gonna to need to because there's no there's no room for error.
0: You got anything to say about uh, a match against Charlton next week? <laughs> next week, Sevens. It's it's hard to have um, any kind of uh, focus. I'll give you a little bit. Uh, they're one place below us in the table, but they're eight points behind. So uh, we're not going to finish lower than eleventh. Uh, um, can we go past Bolton on the on the last? If day? we win and
3: they lose, we'll go yeah. past him.
0: What's the goal difference?
3: We've got better.
0: Okay. <laughs> Is, is that it? Top top
1: ten, Seb? Yeah, finish finish the season as strongly as you can. I guess it'll be another decent crowd at Portman Road. You're probably looking at what 2022 twenty two, twenty three. Don't don't, don't talk about it. Seb, stop it's it. What stop big, it's talking what big clubs about it. <laughs> you know, you're, you're obsessed like... on strings, rattled, um, check hard drive or whatever I got told to do the other day. <laughs> yeah, no, hopefully they'll end the season strong, put in a, a decent performance, and we'll all go off into the summer with a a bit of optimism. I, again, like I thought yesterday, I'd like to see a couple of the the younger kind of players get, to get a bit of game time. This, this, this means absolutely nothing, let's be honest, so there's no harm in it. And I guess like we saw yesterday with the bench, we'll see again who is likely to be here and who's not going to be. If, if Flackey is missing again and Carroll is missing again, then we know they're going to be off. And, you know, if, if if Baggett comes in and plays a bit of time or or Humphreys comes in and makes a start and gets subbed, then great, it'll be good to see. But the important thing is to end strong and send us all off into that that summer with a little bit of optimism.
3: I, I, yeah, because I wonder, um, I suppose one of the questions I, I spoke about it briefly earlier about James Nord, whether we keep him or not. If he starts again next week, I think that gives him a chance but if we bring Macaulay Bond in, I think that probably draws a line under James Nord's Ipswich Town career because Macaulay Bond just hasn't had a look in really, has he? And I know he started the week in, in midweek, but he just is hes clearly not a part of the plans for next season, is he?
0: Um, no, you wouldn't have thought so and uh, we now know as well Rangers basically aren't Aren't going up. That's that's not mathematically there, but it'd be interesting to see where um Bond, uh, does sort of um does sort of pipe up next season, won't it?
3: Yeah, I imagine it'll be somewhere else in League One.
0: Yeah, yeah, I should I should I should imagine so. Right. Um hopefully uh, we managed to keep things interesting for you on the Blue Monday podcast uh today. We will be back as ever in midweek it's the last week of the season and we thank you as ever for all of your support throughout the season please do think about getting involved in the leveler community that's really really good fun uh we're all on there messaging um every day and you can get two week free trial as well at blue monday itfc on twitter and acast normal things
1: youtube we've been doing this for years now haven't we um seb any last words from you no, uh, I'm done now. I'm not doing Charlton next week, so my 2021-2022 <laughs> season is over. to watch uh, the yeah. League One playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I'll watch all that stuff. But it's uh, my Ipswich Town following is done for the season. And obviously, we'll go into the summer and and all get excited come August. Joe, you're never done, are
3: you? No, no. Looking forward to next Saturday, Wednesday <laughs> night. We've got the Under 18s Cup final at Portman Road, the PDL Cup against Coventry. So if anyone's looking for a live action fix of a game that means something to the kids. And I wonder whether we'll see Cameron Humphries and Tawanda Ch- Chirere playing that game because they're both eligible and they both played in the semi-final. So it'd be nice to see them on Portman Road, hopefully winning some silverware for the club. I know it's a uh, sort of just the League Cup, effectively the Category 2 League Cup. So we'll see that the under-23s will be going into the playoffs in upcoming weeks. I don't think the under-18s can now make it. So there's a little bit of interest from there and I'll make sure I tweet about it or put it on the level of chat because i haven't really tweeted much from the academy account recently to be fair excellent stuff and i'll make sure uh, rich retweets it from the blue monday account if there is any games going on
0: absolutely um thank you everybody for joining us and um yeah i suppose then we can look forward to lots of uh transfer speculation some of which will not be true um we'll see you very soon um as the last week comes up thank you everybody for watching listening to the blue monday podcast (laughs)